As we continue on, we'll be in Luke 11 today. We uh, have been in Luke uh, at a continuing reading. Uh, last week we were in Luke 8. Uh, we were talking about the, the soils, correct? The What soil are we? We're, we want to be good soil and we were processing that. And, and, and there's something really here that so many times I think people start contemplating uh, Jesus is not being clear, you know, and I think sometimes he believes that, you know, in different, uh, just, uh, different <laughs> prospects of what is going on there. Uh, but we're going to take a look at what Jesus says here, and it's going to sort of lead into what he's talking about uh, here uh, in Luke 11, 1 through 4 is where we'll be. Uh, in Luke 8 um, here, he d- describes something uh, very clear. A lot of his parables, a lot of times people are like, well, what's that mean? How does that mean? In Luke 8, Jesus says this. He goes, he actually explains the parable, and he is very clear about this. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. You can't get much more clear than that, okay? So he's explaining, this is what the parable is. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And when then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are the ones that receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they, do, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. It's clear. Jesus is making a direct point of what's going on and by those persevering. The reason why I'm going back is I always want us to continue as we continue to learn and build. I don't want us just to go to a lesson and then go to the next thing. I want us to also wrestle with it, that we're continuing to be good soil. And also, there is something really unique coming up. Jesus explains how to pray here again. He's very direct. There's no hidden thing going on. Because I think sometimes people are like, well, Jesus talks in parables, and it's sometimes not always easy to understand. No, those that have ears, let them hear. Hear the word, but then also let's listen to when he's very direct about what's going on. So, We're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer. As you already could tell, we already got to say it out loud together this morning, uh, which is uh, we don't usually do, but I I love the fact that a lot of us, uh, I could tell some of the kids say uh, at their school, uh, they knew it right away, and all of us, we know it, but it it can can just become a recital. It can just be a thing that we just say, but really, what does it mean? What are the implications of it? Before I get into this, I, I do want to uh, tell uh, a little bit of a story. Um, I know all of our situations are different, but can, can you all think of a good parent story? One that right now, when you were a kid, that sits back and like you sort of like remember, oh, that was cool. I can. I was seven years old. My parents made me go to bed on time because I had school the next day. Not happy about it because... That night, Indiana was playing, Indiana basketball, and I wanted to watch Indiana basketball. Sorry if you're a Purdue fan, whatever, I don't care. But I wanted to watch, 
But my parents said, no, you got to go to bed. You got to go to bed. So I go to bed. I think I brush my teeth very angrily. Not happy about it, you know. Get in bed. I fall asleep. But all of a sudden, I felt something on my, my, my left arm. And it was my dad. My dad goes, hey, you want to watch IU basketball with me? <laughs> what kid does not say yes? I was the oldest of, my, of the family, so I snuck out. My other, it was even sweeter knowing my, my, kid, my brothers were asleep. Suckers. Like, I'm up. I'm out there. My mom made some popcorn. And I'm watching IU basketball. I don't know if they won or lost. But what a great moment. What a great process that we get to do to deal with that. And I think there's these moments of knowing your father, and we're going to talk about that here today. And I just want you to have that in your mind of maybe what is a moment that just sits in there. You know, there was a lot of moments that happened before that and after that. Why did that one stick? And that was a fond, fond memory that left a lasting impression in my life. So let's dive right in to Luke 11, 1 through 4. It says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. That's Luke 11, 1 through 4. Now, there's another very similar version, and that's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Okay? And that is, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and then for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others your sins your father will not forgive your sins so there's two versions okay what does that mean Okay? Did they mistype it, miswrote it? No. This is something I am telling you, I am guessing that the disciples did not only hear this prayer once or twice. This is a prayer that Jesus did. Jesus participated in. It was a prayer heard. It was a prayer that was continually to be said. And so, on this one day, this certain place, one, uh, the, this one place, when he had finished, the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. They had been seeing, the reason why they asked this question is they had been seeing Jesus pray, right? It wasn't a one-time thing to be like, oh, Jesus prayed, that's weird. Let's add, like, it was something that Jesus partook in, did, and they, they're now interested. It's one of the best things the disciples did. They asked him, Teach us to pray. Teach us how to do this. Teach us, just as John taught his disciples. Now, 
we also have to learn, what did we learn from? We don't, we don't know where this certain place was. It's not a given. But when he finished, when the disciples asked him, they said, just as John taught his disciples. So we can take in a fact that John has taught his disciples how to pray and how to process. It had been known that that had been happening. And they are Jesus's disciples, the true Messiah's disciples. So they want to learn from him how to do it. And so what a, what a great opportunity. It is one of the things. A lot of us, I don't know if that would be our first question we would ask Jesus. We would probably ask Jesus a lot more, why'd you do this? Why this? They are asking to learn from the ultimate teacher. What a great moment for them because he does. He says to them, when you pray, say. Now, this prayer can be said word for word, correct? But this prayer is meant to be that of a skeleton, okay? That of a framework of how to approach God, how to be aligned with God, to be, to be able to be there. Because you can say the words and have no meaning whatsoever, correct? Like, have you, it just like, it doesn't really implicate, like, implement your heart. It doesn't really like our father are in heaven. Like it's something said, but it's not really done. But it is something that he says, when you say pray, that is, you can choose this way, but it's a skeleton for us in the framework of how to approach God and get aligned with God and, and go with our cares and concerns to God. And he says this, he says, when you pray, say, Okay, so he's saying, Jesus isn't saying like, ah, you can use this way or that way. Jesus was direct. Jesus is saying, when you pray, say this. Say, you know what I'm like, it's not like some like, ah, pick this part, choose this part, whatever, whatever floats your boat. You know, you just pick and choose, make it easy for you. Like he's saying, when you pray, say this. He's answering the question. What an opportunity for us as disciples to hear what Jesus said to the disciples. We get to be, a part, be partakers in that. And it's just a beautiful thing. And this is what he says. he says. He says to them, when you pray, say, Father. Hmm. What's Father mean to you? What does that word sort of take? Now, I know all of us come with different stuff. If you've had a good father, you probably have a good view. If your father wasn't around, you probably might have a different view. But that, what is this view of the godly father? Why is Jesus directing that? One, it indicates intimacy. There is an intimacy there. I can tell you this. When my daughters, Jacelyn and Janie, say, dad, our father, I respond different than when other kids say dad and father. I do. I, it's not that I don't love your other kids. But if they're saying, Dad, they're not directed towards me. One of the things that we got to know is, who are we directing our prayers to? Are we directing our prayers to the Father? Because at this time, there's something else going on. There's a lot of false gods. Oh, wait, it still happens today. Like, who are we going to? Are we going to Yahweh, the God of Abraham? Are we going directly to the source, or do we not 
at all. And then when we go to the source, how do we have that relationship? Father is very uh, a unique term. It's only used 15 times in the entire Old Testament. But in the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's used 65 times. And in John, it's used over 100 times. There, there's something there. There's something there, and that something has been unique, the intimacy with the Father shown fully through His Son, Jesus. Just so you know, Jesus reveals the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. He knows the Father's business. Now, this Father is an intimate word. It shows who and it acknowledges who you're talking to, to the God of Abraham, Yahweh. I think a great example of this is the story in Luke 15, okay? Some of you have already read this too, the prodigal son story, right? A lot of us always look at how the son is. The son goes, asks for his inheritance, asks for his riches, goes, waste it all, loses it all. And then what's he think? He thinks, oh, if I, even my servants at my father's house have it better than I. I'll go back and be one of the servants. And then this is what, this is what happens in Luke 15, 21 through 24. It says, the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they bring, began to celebrate. We look a lot at the son. We need to look at the father. Do we go to God in prayer with the loving father in mind? Do we look? How do we look at God? Like, the story right there is a lot of us look at the father, but like, God is excited he wants his son with him. He loves his son. He is cared. Look, get the fattest calf. Let's celebrate. My son is home. A lot of us, how we perceive our father dictate how we come to him, how we look at him. And that can be dangerous because it's not the right perception of him. He wants to be with us. He wants that relationship with us. He longs for us and he continues to pursue. You know that my daughter all the time wants me to push. We have a little swing. We got this swing down uh, stairs and it's a push swing. Uh, oh, I took way too long to put it together at the door. Had to take the door off. I'm pushing. That's all she wants me to do. You know, and there's moments where I love it. And then there's moments I got stuff to do. I don't know if you've ever been there. I got, I got to go. Unlike God, I think God's always like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's do it. Not always what you want, but like he wants to be there with us. He wants us in that relationship. Not always our will be done. It's his will, but he wants to be with us. That's why he sent his son. There's a relationship there. He, us and the father, like we can go to him. What a beautiful thing. And just like that story of my dad putting that arm on me and saying, hey, let's watch this game together. 
Like, that's the relationship that I have with my dad. Do you not think that I can't ask my dad for anything else? That's where it ends? Like, no, we have that relationship. And so we need to know who we're going to. And then it goes on to this. He said to them, when you pray, say, uh, and then it says, Father. And then it says, hallowed be your name. Okay. It is a holy name. It is a holy name that we're going to. I think we have the great privilege of calling him Father, but we cannot forget who God is in all of his names. He is a holy God. His names include, but not all of, our Father, Master, Living God, Jealous God, Mighty Creator, God Most High, Eternal God, the Everlasting God, God who sees me, God Almighty, Consuming Fire, my Refuge, Strength, King, Strong Tower, Holy One of Israel, Fortress, Alpha, Omega, Judge, Lord, Lord of Hosts, Lord is my Rock, Creator, the Great I Am. Yes, we can come to Him as a Father, but we cannot forget who we are dealing with. We are, we are with a holy God. Have you ever seen a kid, and I know this doesn't happen in this day and age, but have you ever seen a kid disrespect a parent, and then all of a sudden you're like, uh-oh. The kid forgot his place. And I think sometimes when we come to God, we sometimes forget our place. We put ourselves on equal footing or sometimes we put God in the wrong place. Hallowed be your name. Our God is holy. I like how John MacArthur, he says this. He says, you see him as hallowed if you believe he is who he is. I like that. You believe he is who he is. So many times we try to change God into our box, into our mindset. But if you really want to respect his name, if you really want to make his name holy, you will let him, he is who he is. And you, re, you respect that and you, you go to that. It says in Hebrews eleven six. 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There's been times where I've been out in the store and my, I was at a restaurant and my daughter doesn't want to listen to me, says no. Now there is conflict. Does she know best or do I know best? In that moment, she believes she knows best because she doesn't want to do what daddy's telling her to do. If she respected my name, she would trust and listen to me. But at that moment, she does not find daddy, uh-uh, I want to do what I want to do. So there's this, there's this uniqueness. I think when we look at God, there's this father, this loving, this kind relationship. There's this, this longing that you can come to him. But there's also when you come to him, you need to know who he is. There's this the respect. There's this holiness there is like this all-consuming fire of what he is, and we cannot lose that. 
to hallow God, you must keep God's name holy, not just in your talk, but in honor of your life. So my daughter in that moment could say, yeah, dad, I'll, I'll come, but then sprint off and run away the other direction. Her actions didn't do it. If you, want, if you, if you believe something's holy like God is, then your actions will follow. Then it continues, your kingdom come. The kingdom come is a submission to his kingdom, not our kingdom. I'm going to be completely honest, this is where the rubber meets the road in the entire sermon. In your life and in your prayer life. Do we bend the knee to God or do we want God to bend the knee to us? That, it sounds horrible, but we do it. Is it His kingdom that we bring it down, or is it what we want when we pray? Are we aligning to God's kingdom, or are we not? Are we dependent on God, our Father, or not? Is that what we're putting our trust in, to be dependent on Him, to align with Him, to be guided with Him? Because that's what it is when you're going through this, to to look at the Father, to go through that and being like, I'm aligned, and now your kingdom can come. And what does that kingdom look like? What is happening in heaven right now? His name is being glorified, the worship of God. They're obeying, they're following the orders of Scripture, they're following His orders. And this is Jesus' big announcement that the kingdom is near. Jesus, multiple times, is talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is now. The kingdom is through Jesus. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is through, if you see Jesus, you see the Father. And what we do as a church, and and we'll look at us coming up here too, because it it talks a lot about not just me, if you look at it uh, in the upcoming verses, It talks about give us each day. It doesn't say give me. It talks about us, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But us as a church, we're to worship God. We're supposed to obey. We're supposed to follow orders of Scripture and show that the kingdom has come now through Jesus. If you are a believer, has the kingdom come for you if you are a disciple of Jesus? Yes, the kingdom has come. Has it taken ever over every part of every inch of this world? Not yet but it will. Like, we got, the kingdom is here. Like, sometimes we, put, we like to separate. Like, heaven's over here, and this, like, God is, he's in it with us. We can't kick God out. He's given, like, the uh, Satan and all of his authorities, they have power here, but not as much as he does, and he's here, still here. There's this, this beautiful process of God's still being in with us. And now through Jesus, we have a relationship with him. We have the Holy Spirit with us and the kingdom can come through us. But so many times we don't want the kingdom here. We want our kingdom here. We don't want his kingdom. That's too hard of work. As we were talking in the, the women's group, it's the narrow gate. It seems hard. It's, it's too rough. I want to ask you, how many times have you felt convicted or there's been a longing or something different as you read Scripture? Even in the last few weeks, from Luke 1 to 15 or other readings that you're doing in the Bible. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you to bring the kingdom down in your life. 
You're aligning with God, with what God wants in your life and to bring kingdom with other when you obey those convictions. The Holy Spirit is in you and the Bible is giving you the orders to follow. But are, but will, are we going to give the worldly things and the worldly stuff over the kingdom stuff? That is for us that we have to process. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you while you're reading, how many have you, have you not read something and been like, I'm not doing that? That's not part of my life. That, is not, that needs to change. This needs to change. Now, now here's the decision. Do you want the kingdom to come or do you want you to keep doing the same thing? Because you want the kingdom come, the kingdom, you need to let God change your life. Direct it because that is what you're actually doing. You are now seeing him as the father and you're allowing him to make you holy in his eyes. You're now, now there because you're hallowing his name. And that's where the process is. We have to do that. We have to let his kingdom come. And now we get into three petitions or three promises of what's happening. It talks about this. It says, give us each day our daily bread. Okay, so now Jesus is basically explaining this prayer. If, if you see things and you're going to the source and you're aligned with the source, now we can go with these things. Like you got to be right with God. You got to be right with God before you can move. It says, give us each day our daily bread. It, it, us is a very plural talk. We're, we're in this together. It's just not me. It's a community. And what is so amazing here is Jesus, uh, uh, and it, he talks about us. If we're aligned, we now, we now are able to be, deal with these petitions properly. And it says this, and I want you guys to think, what other time in Scripture did the people need daily bread? What other time? In the desert. In the ex what who provided for them? God. God did. He provided for them, provided them manna each day. Each process. Like, do you not think Jesus knows what he's doing here? Like he's talking about this, but he's also talking about talking about the food, but he's also talking about well, like I I'm a father that's going to take care of you. I, I, I've done it in the past. I'll do it now, and I'm going to do it forever. Like, you know, if you know the Father, if you know Jesus, you know me. And this is, I think, a really hard thing for us in the Western culture. We struggle with this one a lot because we feel like we've earned it. Right now, right now, if you're hungry, you guys can all stop by a restaurant on the way home. I can do it myself. I'll make my own food. And this Western culture is like, look what I've done. We have, we have people that says, you can't judge me. Like, because we feel like we've done it all in this Western culture. We like, we work hard. But you don't think the people that are poor in Mexico digging through dirt to find like to make 50 cents a day are not working hard? But for some reason, we all of a sudden like, oh yeah, look, I earned this. We have, we have once again said, God, thanks, but I got this. And, these, and this prayer is to continue to keep us aligned and dependent on God. 
and trust in God. We need to look back at God and see as the time as he provided a man, he'll provide for us now because he's the father, he's holy, and he wants his kingdom to come for us. We can have trust and not worry. And now, the dangerous part is now we look at our stuff through the lens of the kingdom and see how we can glorify our stuff for his glory, for the kingdom to come here. Instead of getting more stuff, instead of looking at it as like, oh, this is my daily bread. Oh, wait, I have some more daily bread. Can I give it to someone who needs it? Can I give it out? Most of us want to hoard it. Most of us don't look at that, but if we really want the king, that is our kingdom. But if we're looking God's kingdom, now we know that, hey, this is, this is all yours. It's all yours. It's not my stuff. Because now I see it in his kingdom. Verse 4 then goes, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness is a huge part of the gospel and a huge part of the kingdom. We are forgiven. Thank God the Lord God of all of our sins. And you know what? That's what Jesus is calling us to do, to forgive others. Man, there's sins in my life that, oh God, uh, maybe you can't forgive that one. I don't know, maybe you have one of those. But if you know he's holy, you know who he says he is, you know that he will forgive those. And then now we get to share that kingdom with other people. And we get to, to share that. It's in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It's the parable of the unforgiving debtor. It says this. I love then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? It's such a line, I would say. Like, that's good, right? Seven times. I can do that. And this is how Jesus replied. No, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his account up to date with a servant who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. 
They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in a man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king set the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So you tell me, does forgiveness play a huge part in the kingdom? How often have we been forgiven a lot and we don't forgive people? We haven't forgiven. Now I want to get something straight. There is a difference between retribution, like reconciliation, and forgiveness. Reconciliation is a two people thing. That's when both people ask for forgiveness, things get worked out. Sometimes it's just one. Okay? And the scripture is clear. I think sometimes we think of forgiveness like, oh, I'll just, I'll just take the forgiveness and I'll let that person just keep walking over me. That's not it at all. It says, but in scripture, you could go up to that person, try to make things right. If it's not, then you're never alone with that person again. You bring another person from the church and then you communicate. Then if not that, then you bring others because you are protected in the situation. It's not for you to be walked over, but there needs to be this forgiveness that is offered. And hopefully there can be this reconciliation of two people, but you can't control that other person's heart. But don't tell me for a second that there are different times in our lives we have been forgiven a lot and then we, mm, and God is asking us, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Now, as you go through these, I want you to process, have you not forgiven someone? Has God put that on your heart? Because let's be honest, in our world, it would make no sense. But in the God's kingdom world, it makes total sense. And that's the whole thing is to get in line with God. To trust in his path. And then it says this, and lead us not into temptation. And if we do these things, when the kingdom comes and there's going to be pain and temptations might come with it. But let's get this out of the way. God doesn't tempt you. Okay, some people read that. Uh, James 1.13 states, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. I find it interesting. There are two clear examples of Jesus being tempted. What times were he tempted? One in the wilderness, in the desert, and the other one is right before his execution. In the desert, he is tested. The Satan is, is challenging him. Satan's asking. I think, one, Satan is tempting him, but also he's, he's doing what I call a fishing expedition. He's not 100%. He knows who Jesus is, but he's not 100% sure of Jesus' plan. He doesn't know Jesus is going to die. He doesn't know he's going to conquer death. He doesn't know he's going to rise again. And that's the ultimate victory. He's just, he's fi figuring it out. But also, when you're sometimes playing poker, you want to bluff. You want to win the game. So he's like, here, I'll give you all I got. I'll do this. This is what it, there's this testing. And Jesus is tested of his loyalty. 
towards God. And let's be honest, a lot of us think like it was easy. Like, no. It was difficult. He was out there, but he relied his loyalty and his trust was on God. Just as when Jesus also said, take this cup from me right before the cross. Like, but he came to a place of surrender or dependence upon alignment with God. And he resisted the temptation. He trusted God's plan of being nailed on a cross to being whipped, to doing all that. Many of us think, and this is wrong with Western society too, that when we follow God, it's going to be, our lives are going to get better. It's going to be easier. That all of a sudden, that since I chose God, like, oh, this, this path is easier. God was there. Spoiler alert, that's false. Most of the time, it's harder. Correct? Most of the time, it's harder. When I was younger, I didn't want to listen to my parents all the time. It was harder to obey. It's harder. There's sometimes it's hard, but his yoke is easy when you see it from his kingdom, from his path. When you're aligned correctly, then it's easier. But when you are on the other side, deciding what it is, it's harder. That's why I'm asking you in this prayer, if you can really say this prayer and it really starts directing you, is you got to see him as the true father and then his holy names for who he is. And when you're aligned right, then you all of a sudden, the prayers are different because you're not praying for what you want. You're praying for the kingdom to come, for his name to be glorified, not yours, not your things, not saying you can't go to God, not saying that you can't bring those to God because he is your father but you also see him in the correct perspective. The Father is with us, but we can easily be taking the side of the evil one. David says this in Psalms 141:4, do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evil doers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Even David is praying for protection. Don't let me be drawn to what is evil. The temptations. Like, I want to stay focused on what God is. Praying for God to protect your heart. McCarthy also says this. I I like this. He goes, we need to rebel versus the world. Too many times people love to rebel against God, rebel against the church, rebel against all this. We need to rebel versus evil. We need to rebel versus, we need to get that out. And then when we focus, that leads us not into temptation because we are directly focused on who he is and what he's about. I'm not going to dig too much into it before I close, but I think you should read the next two stories after Luke. Just telling you, they're not just put there just by circumstance. Luke put those there for two reasons, or multiple reasons. They're two great stories. Now I'm just going to read them real quick, and then uh, we'll wrap up. It says, Jesus said to them, 
is suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks find and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then no, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give uh, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Like, he is explaining so much. We need to go to him, the Father, w- with persistence and audacity to go to him because this is a twist. Like, God is greater than your friend, and your friend's even going to open the door. Like, do we go to him in boldness? Do we go to him in these things? And then it says, who asked for a fish and give him a snake instead? Like it ends up back with, do you know who you're going to? Are you aligned with the Father? And I think a lot of times our prayers are, I need this, I need this, help me with this, bye. I'm asking you to start changing your perception to be aligned and your kingdom to be focused on him and what he's done and who he is and what he's doing in your life. So you can look through all this process of it. Are you aligned with God? Are you dependent on the father that loves you? Or do you go to him with a checklist of things that you need or want? We can go to him with those things, but more or less we want the kingdom We need his kingdom, not our kingdom. This prayer was given to us as a beautiful skeleton to go to him with. And it needs to be used for the kingdom glory. If you haven't, now is a great time and more today. Maybe you need to start implementing this prayer into your prayer life and actually comprehend what the words mean. Sit on them. Maybe just sit on Father. And really contemplate, what does that mean? What does that look like in your life? I'll tell you, when I started looking at that, it's changed even how, how am I looked at as a father to my own kids. My daughter the other day, I, she spilled water all over the place and she came to me and goes, Daddy, are you mad at me? And like, half of me was like, I'm not thrilled that I have to clean this up. But I also want you to know I'm not mad. I love you. Even in this spot where I have to get too many napkins to clean this up. But all of a sudden, I want to be aligned with God. I want my kids to look at me the right way. And so you have to ask yourself, where where are you at? Maybe it's Father, maybe it's whatever. I can't tell you that. But maybe it's forgiveness. And if we're called to do that, then, then 
then I'm telling you today, don't wait. Delayed obedience is still obedience. When you read the scripture and are convicted by something, obey it. Obey it. And that is the challenge this week. Us as Christians are called to pray. And too many of us don't pray enough. Because we believe we can do it ourselves. I'm praying that God does something miraculous on myself. But more than that, for us. For us. Many of us right now have been like, our world is going the wrong way. Right? Then get on your knees and pray that the kingdom comes that the kingdom can be used and that you are willing to do whatever it takes for his kingdom. We, we're not just gonna sit here and wait. We have marching orders and that is called to radically love people, forgive people, be in it with the people, be in their mess. And that is the challenge that I am asking for you today as we take a look at the Lord's prayer. Let's close today. Learning Father, I thank you so much for who you are. You are the Father. You are the Great One. And we worship you. We worship your name, your holy, holy name. And as we do that, we do pray for the kingdom to come. We pray for us to be checked by who you are and what you're about. And you to change us, to change our hearts, to follow your path, not ours. And I pray right now for anyone that has been following their own path, I know, let them know that they can be forgiven and that they can repent and they can move forward with you. What a beautiful thing. You are a loving father, just like the prodigal son. You open arms, hug us, get the biggest cap, get the robes because you love us. And because we know who you are, you're a good, good father. May we trust in that. But may we be directed and may we be able to forgive others properly and help us when there's temptation to be focused on you and you alone. As we go out this week, may we live the kingdom life as Jesus has asked us to participate with us in. And what a great example, what a great, great prayer this is as we get to make sure our hearts are aligned and directed by you and you alone. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. May you have a great week and may God bless you.